Welcome to The Digital Change, a production of the Innovation Podcast Network. This podcast discusses key insights into the digital disruptions that are taking place in all sectors. Learn from industry experts on how you can capture and harness the value of this digital economy. Now here's our host, David Swank, CEO of the Innovation Platform. Well, welcome to another edition of the Digital Change Podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. And today uh, we actually have with us Trish McPeak, who is our Vice President of Business Analyst. And good to have you with us today, Trish. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Trish is going to be joining us uh, over the next several episodes as we've been talking about digital maturity. And the next several, what we call digital stacks, are really very relevant to uh, Trish's expertise and experience. And, and so she's going to be collaborating with me on these next few episodes, especially as we begin to talk about this idea of, of a convergent architecture, single view, and advanced analytics. Over the last several weeks, just to recap, we've talked about this digital stack solution offered by the Global Innovation Platform and how it can help organizations and communities really accelerate their digital maturity. We started out in week one or the first episode talking about the idea of having a digital strategy, really asking the questions about does your organization or community have a digital strategy? Do you really understand your current health uh, as it relates to digital? What are your current capabilities? How is digital, digital going to change your operations? And then the second episode or second part of the stack was really talking about digital access. Where is the digital access points within your organization? Can you access the various data sources within your organization? How do you accelerate the digital adoption? And then last week, we really began to talk about what I would call the solutions to this digital maturity or applications. And we talked extensively about a digital platform. We talk about it here as a digital platform as a service. Some organizations create their own platform. Uh, many organizations we're seeing today are actually using a third-party platform, and that's what the Global Innovation Platform provides, is a platform as a service, software as a service, infrastructure as a service, Internet of Things as a service, a digital operations center as a service. You're going to hear us talk about those more explicitly in the coming weeks. But the digital platform really is all about what's your business model going to be as you begin to think about how data is monetized and how data becomes a bigger part of your organization as you become data-driven. But today, <clears throat> we're going to begin to look at this fourth stack where we talk about a conversion architecture or what we would refer to as a single view. Just imagine for a moment if you could take all the data that in essence is in your database sources or is out on the World Wide Web or is within your ecosystem, and you would be able to see that in a single view. Uh, it's hard to imagine. But we talk about that here in the context of having the right data in front of the right people at the right time to make the right insights or the right decisions. And we would even take that a further and call that accurate insights. Yeah, David, um, what you basically described is basically the data journey. This whole idea of insights is actually a really important issue of data. It's, it's the finished product. Exactly, Trish, it is. And I think we, we really can't 
uh, overemphasize this idea of insights. You know, we talk about things like, you know, uh, big data. We talk about advanced analytics, pr uh, predictive analytics. You know, this whole single view idea is, is, uh, is based on creating greater insights for people, <clears throat> for those decisions. <clears throat> I'm reminded, Trish, of a story that I think really drives this home. And, and the story really starts with asking this question, who or what do you set your clock by? And the story was about every day a man walking by a jewelry store and he would stop and set his watch by this big clock in the window. And then one day the, the jeweler happened to be standing in his doorway and he greeted the man in front uh, and asked him, I see that you set your watch by my clock. And he was curious, what kind of work do you do that demands such correct time each day? And the watchman at, at the uh, shared with the jeweler, jeweler that I work at the plant down the street. My job is to blow the five o'clock whistle. And the jeweler responded in saying, but you can't do that. I set my clock by your whistle. Mm -hmm. And you know, as you think about that, how many times are we using data in our lives, setting our clock, setting our insights, maybe best said, setting our decisions, setting our trajectory for our business based on the wrong information. We think it's the right information because it's a jewelry store, because it has a clock, because the time is there. The, 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 the whistleblower actually creates his time by that. But, but I really think, Trish, this, this really accentuates the issue at hand of how important it is to be looking at the right data and the right insights. You know, it's, it's interesting that story, kind of what I picked up on it, is that it was a big clock in the window. And so maybe that's why the guy thought it was so important, because it was big and shiny. Um, and that's where people kind of think, is maybe they go for the big and shiny instead of drilling down deep into their data and truly understanding it. Well said. Sometimes we're kind of fooled by uh, just our visual versus really in-depth understanding. Right. Hey, David, I actually have been listening to this podcast, and I've heard you mention over the last several episodes the idea of disruption and the forces of disruptive convergence. What do you really mean by disruptive convergence? You know, it's interesting, Trish. I think it is something we talk a lot about disruption. We've been talking about digital disruption. But I do think a term that really begins to set the stage or kind of unpack what we're talking about today is this idea of disruptive convergence. You know, today we see all the emergence of these technologies coming at us at the exponential rates. But what's fascinating today is that these technologies are beginning to converge, which really accelerates the whole digital experience. I was recently reading an article from um, EY, Ernst & Young Consulting, and they explained or they defined disruptive convergence in this way. Uh, disruptive convergence is driven by empowered customers complex ecosystems and innovative technologies, all of which have big data at the core. I think that's an interesting definition, Trish, as we really began to think about this, this disruptive convergence. And I, and I really believe that what's so important for organizations today is to recognize that convergence and really to begin to think about what it means to their organization. Uh, a quote from Capgemini Consulting, which I really like, is denial is a problem because it results in companies not classifying a disruption as a threat. And I don't know about you, but I really think today we're seeing organizations who at some level are living in denial, 
as to what the disruptive convergence looks like and what it means. And we're seeing example after example of organizations, whether it's Google, whether it's Amazon, Facebook, you know, I especially think in the area that, area that we are talking about, this built environment, I look at organizations like uh, Amazon with the Amazon Echo and, and Google with the Google Home, and, and you see what they're doing in these environments and how they're really beginning to transform the, the built environment along with what's happening in the utility landscape. And, and it's important that we don't really ignore that, that we really begin to understand that as organizations. Yeah, you you talk about the right data, the right people, the right time, and accurate insights. And then that EY um, description that you said, it pulls out customers, ecosystems, innovation, and data. So, I mean, it it's, it's out there. It exactly ties to what everybody's saying and seeing. That's right. What are some responses we are actually seeing to this digital disruption? Well, that's an interesting question because I do think that, you know, it's it's something even as an organization, we need to start by asking what is our current response. Organizations, I think, consistently do strategic planning, even maybe, you know, weekly planning. But you really we got to ask yourself is are we planning for the digital future and what's our response to that? And, and I would just name some of these responses, which I think are very obvious. One is just business as usual. Um, I think what's interesting about that, Trish, to me, is I read a book here recently called It Starts With One. And one of the points that it makes in that book is, is we think about starting with one, which means really starting with our own, with our, ourselves, is understanding that we need to have an informed viewpoint. It called it a have an informed point of view. Uh, how, I don't know how many people that you will talk to that literally spend more time really trying to get you to understand versus them trying to, to understand. You know, the old saying is we need to t- spend more time trying to be to understand be, being versus, versus being understood. And I think it is important in today's environment to understand very clearly that we the only way we get past business as usual is really to begin to to try to understand what's happening. It's interesting to me that since 2000, 52% of the companies in the Fortune 500 have either gone bankrupt been acquired or cease to exist. I think that says a lot about what's happening in the marketplace. Uh, and as you look today, one of the quotes from this John M. Beck, who's an executive chairman from Acon Group Canada, which is a construction company, said, looking at construction projects today, I don't see much difference in the execution of the work in comparison to 50 years ago. And, you know, when you look at that particular sector, the sector that we're really talking about today, how important is it to begin to look at that whole process differently? Uh, I would even say that in large part, the utility sector falls within that same kind of context. I think we have organizations who are casually thinking about new technologies. You know, again, I mentioned EY earlier, and, and one of the statements they, they made here recently is digitization is a step change even greater than the internet. That's a, that's a bold statement. Exponential technology advances, greater consumer power, and increased Competition mean all industries face the threat of commoditization. I think there's some industries that feel that just casually that it's not going to happen in our sector. The winners, EY pointed out, the winners will act now and build a strategic advantage that leaves their counterparts wondering what happened. I think there are those who are seeking uh, solutions, uh, seeking support within their organization. And I, I quoted Cap Gemini a little earlier, and one of the statements they had is incumbents need to constantly revisit their business model to ensure it's not outdated. 
I think some of the things that are outdated structures is we used to do things linear and very siloed in organizations. You know, one of the things, Trish, that we're talking about right now is, you know, really integrating data and creating, you know, new means of looking at data. But when you look back historically at the organizations and how organizations were built, they were very siloed. And therefore, a lot of the systems, data sources became very siloed as well. And uh, I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I read an article recently, and I'll, I'll use their language, and, um, and I hope people will excuse me for using this language, but it was the headline, and it was basically that silos suck. They inhibit collaboration and the ability to align a team behind a unified vision. And a bold statement was, get rid of them. And I really think today, as we talk about single view, as we talk about the trajectory of an organization, I think in order to get have a system of systems, we must break down silos because truly bringing everything into a single view means we're really trying to become more efficient, more productive, more insightful. We're, we're wanting to act and see more as a team. And in large part, we're really talking about changing the trajectory of our organization. I'm reminded of a story of a, a certain courthouse in Ohio stands. It stood in a very unique location. They, they said that when raindrops fell on the north side of the building, it would go into Lake Ontario and the Gulf of St. Lawrence, while those falling on the south side go into the Mississippi River and the Gulf of Mexico. At precisely the point of the peak of the roof, just a gentle puff of wind can determine the destiny of many raindrops. It will make a difference of more than 2,000 miles as to their final destination. Think about this. By the smallest deed or choice, we might set in motion influences that could change the course of our lives and the people we serve. And as I read that story, I'm reminded of just really today, when we look at data and we are looking at it in siloed ways and we're operating in siloed ways, how many organizations set their trajectory for the next year, for the next five years, for the next 10 years, because they're not able to take a look at all their data, all their insights, look at it collectively, look at it as a team, and really understand how important it is in setting the trajectory of that organization from here forward. Um, I think there's people who are doing strategic planning, who are really in, beginning in depth to look at that. And that's where I think, Trish, we come in, is really these next three responses where people are really beginning to think about a digital transformation plan. I think there are people who are really starting to think about implementing these convergent digital strategies and end-to-end -end solution. And then I think the last response I would mention, Trish, is just this idea of people knowing they can be a digital influencer. You know, I see what's happening in our communities today, and I know you subscribe to this. You've done some work in this space. Is you know, We need people who are influencing uh, not just their organizations, but the, the communities that they live in in a, in a greater way and trying to find ways to use data to change the trajectory of their organization. So th those are just, I mean, I'm, I listed a number there, Trish, but I think the key thing I would say to our listeners today is, is really to engage in what is your response? Because, you know, truly our response to anything dictates the outcomes of tomorrow and the next day and a year from now. Yeah, I agree. Um, I actually just recently talked about this kind of on my podcast, but on the BI side of things and the adoption of BI within organizations, kind of as you're speaking, it resembles that of, you know, if people really go with their instinct based off of, you know, their past and their experience, then it's it's hard to, to change their mindset because that's rooted so deep within them. But if they were just open-minded to these new disruptions, because some people will say, we, we do our strategy for next year and I use data to, to do my strategy. So why, 
why are you saying that I'm not, you know, living in this world? But they're only using a small part of their data. They haven't really got to dive in and use all their data. So that's kind of where I think the mindset needs to switch is that people do believe they're using their data, but truly they're not, which kind of leads me into, so if we begin looking at the fourth stack of the digital stack solution, what is the number one barrier to getting a convergent architecture? What we like to refer to as the single view. Yeah. And I think, you know, Trish, I think a lot of it's the, the complexity. I think it was interesting. That was a good insight on your part is relating to how we feel like we're using data, but perhaps we're not. And I think you and I've talked about it uh, numerous times that sometimes that's a difference between really just business intelligence. And we think we're really doing advanced analytics. And all we're really doing is putting in front of ourselves the intelligence which really doesn't lead us to the advanced analytic component. So it is complex. It is challenging. I, let's face it, big data and the ability to use big data is not a simple task. And it's one that can't be taken lightly. And it's, it's one that I really don't think we can fool ourselves. You know, it's that old, kind of that old thought that just by hearing and, and uh, listening, we think that we're doing. And, and we're really not. I mean, at the end of the day, it's really asking ourselves, are we truly digging deep into data and understanding its capabilities. I think breaking through the, the complexity, the, the rewards that, that can come from an organization are just really significant. It, it really today is going to be the great divider between organizations and communities. And we're seeing that as people talk about especially smart communities. And I think, I think if you live in rural communities, that's a concern because we need to really begin to be honest with ourselves and understand what this looks like. I know the other day we were meeting with an A&E firm and uh, an A&E firm that is fairly large. And, and as we were talking through our solutions, one of the things that they talked about was that, you know, how do we basically take a pause and really restructure, reconsider the business we're in? Because we recognize that, one, our margins are decreasing, competition's getting tighter, and we're really providing the same thing we provided years ago. So it is going to be important to do that. I think it's interesting, Accenture, in a, in a recent strategy research to kind of answer your point about how important this is, Trish, they said that more than 80% of the CEOs that they surveyed agreed that the ability to manage organizational complexity can enable them to rapidly respond to changing market conditions and the overall business environment. That's important. In other words, that means that I'm going to be willing to be intense. I mean, we know that you know, it's, it's tough when you've been a monopolistic organization or you've been able to really uh, ride the wave to all of a sudden increase your intensity to know that you're living in a more competitive world. You know, they went on to say that 60% of CEOs who addressed their enterprise complexity in an integrated business services approach do not believe that digital technologies will add further complexity to their organization. In other words, <clears throat> once they position themselves to really address the complexity, they began to really, in many ways, simplify it. This is in contrast to the, to the more than 30% of CEOs who have tried to address their enterprise complexity using traditional, functional, or regional approaches. You can't use, you know, how we, or what we choose to solve today's problems can't be the same solutions as years ago because the outcomes will be the same. David, I was actually reading recently, and there was a quote from Allison Kennedy with Accenture, and she said, too many companies see innovation as something abstract from solving real problems and creating real value. As a result, too much time and investment is spent on the efforts of periphery that no link to value and the opportunity to create true change within companies is missed once again. Now, this really excites me 
because what I love being here at Global Innovation Platform is that our solutions are taking the big complex things and making them achievable for any organization. It doesn't matter if they're big or small. Now, I know we're needing to probably wrap up and we're running short on time, but can we spend the remaining time talking about the single view that takes the complex and making it a real solution? You bet, Trish. And I, and I agree with you, Trish. I think we've got a, a great team uh, and you're one of those of just really knowing every day that one of the exciting things we get to work on is how to take the complex and make it simple. And we got some great tools to do that. But I would just kind of you know, today, Trish, as we talk about single view and really began to kind of define that, uh, we started the podcast in talking about the single view from the idea of right data, right people, right time, right decision, and right insights. And so when we think about the single view solution, I'm going to use those basically statements or terms to, to define this idea of single view. First of all, when we think about right data, we're really talking about the contextual data that we need to make sound decisions, sound investments. You know, I think today about how so often we are using only a piece of the formula, if you will, or partial formulas that that uh, and, and largely due to the fact that's all we have really access to. It really is about linking information to deliver new relationship insights, relationships between data, making connections across any data source, whether inside or outside your organization. Can you imagine having the ability to look at a single view and see every data source within your own system, systems into a single system, and also to pull data actually from the World Wide Web and really begin to relate that? That'd be pretty powerful, don't you think, Trish? Yeah, it definitely gives you the insights that you've never had before. And then to have people like yourself who are data scientists who can take that data and really begin to turn that into advanced analytics. Enhancing traditional data with this idea of of vital contextual information, including location, demographics, and we could go on and on. So having that right data, and once you have that right data, that's not the end of the story. That single view then is how do we put it in front of the right people? How do we make sure that that data that we have, because everyone looks at it differently. I know, Trish, we talk about the right people, and you might expand on this, even as you look at the hierarchy of an organization. How important is it from C-suite down to what you'd call frontline? Oh man, very important. And it's actually one of the biggest struggles that analysts or anyone that on a BI team deals with, because when we start our journey, we have to go to those who have the data, that utilize the data, and we kind of study them and study what they're doing. And then we go up to the executives and we talk to them and see what they want to, what what do you want to see? And we create it. And I'm going to say 90% of the time, the people that we got the data from that live in the data they don't believe that their dashboards are telling them anything because it's not what they look at, but it's exactly what the executives want to look at. So that context of where do you live within the organization and what's important to you is it's such a big role. And sometimes within the organizations, you know, you have your your managers and your directors, then your C-suite and your executive team, they all look at different things. And sometimes they don't even understand why the other person is looking at something different. That's a great point. Good insight because you're really so true is is that data governance uh, you know from a standpoint it's like governing an organization everybody has their their role and data plays the same part uh, the the third piece of this this single view would be the right time putting the data in front of people at the right time you know whether that be data that re- relates to real time data from infrastructure 
to know if something's about to break or something needs to be maintained. Having the ability to look at that in a, in a geographical or a geospace database and, and looking at data in terms of predictive analytics, being able to look at it in a real-time way that allows us to predict a particular action or a particular event. And then fourthly, you know, when you think about the single view, it's, it's now I have this ability to see the right data. I have the ability to put it in front of the right people. I have the ability to put it in front of people at the right time. And now I can really begin to think about it from the right decision. Uh, the integration of business processes and workflows, you know, that is so important because our, our organizations are made up of business processes and workflows. And actually what this ultimately leads to, Trish, is this idea that then we get to accurate insights. You know, I, as we kind of wrap up, and I want to get some last comments from you too, Trish, but when we talk about the digital solution stack, <clears throat> I'll kind of recap for a moment, because I think, again, you can't bypass any one of these steps. It, it is so important that you think about your digital strategy. It is, it is significant that we think about, you know, digital access, having access to data sources. Who's going to have access to the data? Putting together a digital platform, a model that really serves as a catalyst, as a springboard for this next journey. And then today, as we talk about this single view, it really is then I now have the ability to access this. We call this, Trish, the iEcoNet. And we call it the iEcoNet, our platform, because it really is about intelligent ecosystem and global networking. Any thoughts, Trish, you have? I mean, we, we talk about this iEcoNet. You've been working on this very aggressively with the team as well. But just the importance of having this iEcoNet and its relationship to a single view. Yeah, um, I would say my, my number one thought is, you and I have been working in this type of industry and, and really trying to figure out this whole digital transformation and, and what it consists of and what's the best way to, to help guide others through that for some years now. I mean, you a lot longer than I have, but it's definitely been something that I've been researching for a few years. And when I'm just thinking of our listeners and sometimes stuff like this can be so complex that they're like, I don't even know where to begin. Or, you know, like I said, they think that they're actually doing it. And that's what I love about the iEcoNet is we actually, the first step is, is we want to see where you are. We can meet you exactly where you are. We don't want you to go from, you know, not even having data to, you know, doing predictive modeling. That's not, that's not the process. And that's not how we get there. We literally look at where you are. We just take a look as simple as what systems are you using? What data is coming out of those systems? You know, even what are the costs of those systems? We want to actually help you embrace and enhance the systems you're already using. So I think that's my favorite thing about the IUCNA is that it really allows us to get on their level and take it slow because this is a monster. And this is really hard for a lot of people to understand. And I want to kind of let everybody know that even though you might not understand some of the words we're saying and that we try to break it down, that's what the IECONET represents to me is that between them and us, we can work together and kind of collaborate in a way that they understand and they get to go on this journey for their organization but we meet them where they're at. Great point. Well, and I think the, you know, the whole base of the IECONET is about connecting people, connecting devices, connecting data, connecting infrastructure assets. I would just wrap up today by, you know, sharing with you, a, a, again, Accenture in a recent uh, article wrote about, you know, really what, in essence, I think a single view or an architecture we're talking about means. They talk about it being hyper-relevant, network-powered, technology-propelled, talent-rich, data-driven, inclusive, 
asset smart. Those terms, those statements really resonate with me, Trish, I think because really that's really what this digital journey is all about is how do we become hyper relevant with our customers, with our employees? How do we become network powered in a digital world where we can begin to really create a strong network? How do we propel technologies? How do we begin to really attract new talents and skills? I think we both would agree that today, if you as an organization are not positioning yourself in the digital environment, when we're living among digital natives, how important it is if you're going to attract that talent to actually be doing the things that the talent and skills are looking for, to be a data-driven organization, to be an organization that's not siloed, that is inclusive. I can't emphasize that enough. You know, if anything that I, I really believe needs to start today at the top is we've got to break down silos and create a more inclusive environment. And then, of course, you know, this idea of being asset smart. Asset smart, not just with our own assets, but understanding assets are converging. Trish, it's been great to have you here today. Next week, we are going to be talking about a subject that, Trish, is probably the nearest to your heart. We're going to talk about digital optimization. And, again, one of the, I'm glad to have you as a part of the next couple of episodes because I know that's an area that, that you are working on extensively over the last several years. And as we began to, as, as Global Innovation Platform is beginning to look at in, in implementing a digital operations center where we really start talking about having data scientists look at data, unpack data, I think that's going to be a, a great series. So looking forward to next week having you back. And we'll be talking about digital optimization, the last layer of the five-part digital stack. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you again for joining us. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Do you have questions about the digital transformation or want to share your experiences in the digital economy with the Digital Change team? Then reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram at IPSmartBuzz. Or by filling out the listener feedback form at globalinnovationpodcast.com. And if you like our show, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.